scary. I was thinking, from the very beginning, from when Adam and Eve sinned, God was holding Jesus. He was waiting for a day to make a divine exchange. And he holds Jesus out today to every one of us. And if you don't know Jesus, if you haven't humbled yourself to say, I'm dying, because you are, if you don't know Jesus, if he hasn't saved you, if he hasn't forgiven you, if you haven't received the forgiveness that he offers you for your sin, your sin nature, then you're dying eternally. I want to make that offer an invitation. The first one we make today is that God's been holding Jesus for you your whole life. He sent him to die to pay for the sin, and he says, for whosoever believes in me will not perish, but will have everlasting life. You just have to believe and receive, but it takes a step of humbling. It means it's the first death. You have to die. You have to die to your flesh, to your will. And say, no longer my will, but your will be done of God. And when we say that and say, I admit that I'm a sinner, I admit that I'm wrong, I've been in rebellion against God. Jesus says, I already paid for it. I've been waiting to give this to you, this gift of eternal life. And you can receive it by just saying, thank you, Jesus, I receive it. I believe by faith that your blood has washed away my sin, and I now have eternal life. And at that moment, the Holy Spirit comes to live in you and make you a new creation. But that is at the end of the day. As I said, keep facing death. Continuously, I want to share a couple of things, and then uh, I want to have a song and just a, a short time of reflection, but I want to... I want to say something about Isaiah 61. To me, this is the great exchange. And in a minute, I want you to just take, take a look at that and go down and see what did, what did we have that we took off and received through the gospel of Jesus Christ, through him coming. If you go to Luke chapter 4, that's exactly what Jesus came to do. That was the prophecy. But in Luke chapter 4, we find out that Jesus came to fulfill that. Turn with me quickly to, John, uh, to Luke 4. Verse 18, it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, this is Jesus speaking, because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and set at liberty all those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, he gave back to the attendant, he sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is being fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy of Isaiah 61. If we go back to Isaiah 61, where we see the whole gospel being outlined there, what the Messiah was going to come to do, all those exchanges are about transformation. It's getting a new identity. It's a new ch chance at life. It's a new beginning. It makes me a new person because I get freedom and I get healing. And the prison doors open. And it's hope for all of us who at this stage in our life, you might still feel like you're in a prison. There may be things in your life that you're bondage. You say, Liz, I've already asked Jesus in my heart, but I'm not free in some areas of my life. Or maybe you're going through a, a situation or a circumstance that has been so painful for you. You know what? There's an answer for every one of us in this room right here in these verses. There's a hope of a divine exchange in this whole chapter. There's hope in this chapter for you today. 
And when you get to the end of the chapter, at the end of the verses, rather, verse 4, they shall rebuild the old ruins. There's the purpose right there. Now those who have been healed, those who have been transformed, those who have been set free, those who are now going from joy, from mourning to joy, go out and tell others. They start rebuilding the lives of other broken women. You cannot deliver people, you cannot impact people's lives in a powerful way until you've gone through it yourself. You have to experience divine exchange. And I'm not just talking about salvation. We can be, I mean, I'm, I was thrilled when I was saved at nine years old. I remember the joy, but I got so off track. I was still saved, but I wasn't walking in the divine exchange. Are you walking in the divine exchange? When you're walking in the divine exchange, you will have power through the Holy Spirit to do the great and mighty works, which is the multiply. Go bear fruit and multiply. It comes out of our brokenness. People don't like that word, brokenness. They think it's for the poor people that are living uh, under the shelters down in the I-4 corridor. Mm -mm. I love a broken person. God loves a broken person. He says he loves a broken, contrite heart because it means you get yourself off the throne and you're surrendering. And it may take pain to get you there. I have a friend, she talks about the good death and the bad death. She says, one way or another, God's going to kill you. And either he's going to do it or he's going to allow Satan to do it. You choose. Choose your death. Better to die and be saved and raised up to serve him in power than to live fighting, holding on to your own will and your own life. That means surrendering to the will of God in the worst of circumstances and trusting that in Saturday I will believe there is a Sunday. That God has power to deliver us to something better. Terry had a Saturday never knowing there would be somebody who had been holding a kidney for her for all those years. What a beautiful perspective to have. Let's just look at some chapters of what God does in our exchange. Turn to Psalm 30. Psalm 30. And would you, uh, Nick, get that song ready for us, Divine Exchange? Thank you. Psalm 30, the end of it. The last two verses is a summary. The psalmist is talking about all the pain that he's been going through. In fact, verse 2, he says, Oh my God, I cried to you and you healed me. You brought my soul up from the grave. Some of it, it's not a physical exchange. It's a soul exchange that you need. It's healing in your soul that you're in a place of desperation. He says, you brought my soul up from the grave. You kept me alive so that I would not go down to the pit. You know, when you're in that place of Saturday, you need to be shouting these verses out. And saying, I went down to the pit, but you're keeping me alive, oh God. Even though I feel like I'm in the pit, you're not going to let me die in the pit, God. I'm believing that you're going to pull me out of the pit. He goes on at the end of the chapter, he says, You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You've put off my sackcloth and my ashes. You've clothed me with gladness to the end, what? That my glory may sing praise to you and not be silent. Oh God, I will give thanks to you forever. Whatever I'm going through in the death is so that God is going to be glorified when he raises me up. He's not going to leave you in the death. He didn't leave Jesus in the death. Jesus trusted the Father's love for him. If you know God's love for you, you know God's going to raise you up. He's not going to live, leave you in that place. And some of those places of death are literal death. And it is so painful. It talks about beauty for ashes in Isaiah 61. Beauty for ashes. What does ashes indicate? If you've got ashes left, what, what's been going on? Not only death, burning by fire. 
fire. But God burns our flesh away and he'll do whatever it takes. And some of it is not God's um, judgment, it's, not, it's just life. We live in a broken world. We get sickness, we get death happens, relationships fall apart, we're in this sinful world. God will use that as a fire to burn our flesh. And if I'm not willing to participate with him, he's going to allow that fire to burn for a long time. Job says that he refines me in the fire so that I come forth as pure gold. Gold that can be seen by others and gives you the divine character of God. Nancy demonstrated the divine character of God in that divine exchange. Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, says that God is going to shake us. He says the things of this world will be shaken. And it's happening right now. It's happening all around. Our world is shaking and reeling. But you know what's more that's shaking? It's the souls of men and women all over the world that God's concerned about. This world's going to wrap up. It's going to burn like a fire. He's told us that. But if you go to Hebrews in chapter 12, he says, he's predicting what's, what's going to happen for the world and for our souls. He says in verse 20, um, 25, see that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape who refused him who spoke on earth, much more we shall not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he promises, saying, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also heaven. God is in the process of shaking the heavens and the earth. He said, I will do it once more. And in that once more, he says, now yet this once more indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken, as of those things that are made, the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming what? Fire! God is a consuming fire, and he will burn away our dross. We want to hang on to it, but he wants us to be a pure vessel that has been refined in the fire. Take hope, sister, for any pain that you're going through. And I join you in that. I join you in that. I'm, I don't get away with this. You know, you, I've said this before, you don't get to be up here by thinking life is just great and Liz is just proper and pure and she's got a British accent, she's just got it so together. I have not. I go through the fire daily, daily. So that I'm humbled and ready to speak and be poured out to you. Not me pouring out what I think and what I've learned, but pouring out what God's Spirit wants to say through me to you. To equip you and empower you for the works of ministry. And he's going to shake and burn everything in our life that's not of him. Even more so as the days grow ahead. We've got to be a church that knows how to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the fire. God promised in the last days, in Joel and in Acts, he said, I will pour out my spirit on my sons and my daughters. Women are included in that. They will prophesy. They will see visions and dreams. Are you ready to be one of these? I believe there are at least a couple of people in this room that God is calling. Some of you don't really, maybe don't know why you came here. You're going to take something away from this, maybe. And God's, but there are people that God is calling out, consecrating them for service to him. It's a journey of fire. You're wondering why you're going through this pain right now. Why am I going through so much pain? Pain and fire is not the end of the journey. Because there's a Sunday. God is preparing you for 
the works of ministry that are beyond anything that you can do in your own strength. Just when you think you've got it together with your ministry or your job or your family, crash. If God's called you, it will crash. The dream dies, the vision drives, and God has to rebuild it. You, you know how he rebuilds it? By you saying, it's done, I don't even care this vision anymore, Lord, I have no, I have no desires left, I'm done. It's impossible. He goes, thank goodness, finally. Get your hands off it. Get out of the way and let the power fill you. Do you believe the power of God can fill you? That's the divine exchange that he wants us to have. We've got to have that. I mean, we're not ever going to survive with the things that are happening outside of that. We cannot minister as the church of God doing business as usual. We need, desperately need, the power from heaven to fall on every single one of us like tons of fire. That's what happened in Acts. That's what I'm praying for. God, send your Holy Spirit like tons of fire on each one of us. It happens when you're waiting on the Lord. They were in the upper room waiting. They were waiting on him. They weren't running around being busy. Jesus had ridden from the dead. The first thing he said was, go wait. Butterflies come out of the cocoon, out of the place of death. They don't go and fly off. They hang around on that cocoon for about two hours. Their wings are not strong enough. They've got to wait till the blood pumps through before they can fly off and start pollinating and multiplying. There's a time when we have to sit and trust that God will fill us with his power, not in my strength. And it takes waiting. That's part of the trust. Trust him. With everything you've got. And as I said, sometimes that place is fire. It is painful. The burning leads to ashes. When my life is in ashes, when it's nothing, when I think it's all over, that's the Saturday. Friday. I knew I was going to death. Saturday is just a pile of rubble. Jesus is dead. It's quiet. Nothing's happening. It's all over. Is it all over in your life? You think it's impossible for God to bring anything out of your circumstance? That he can't do anything? It's too bad? Hopelessness? Maybe he's here to tell you today if you trust him. He's doing something in your life that you can't even imagine. He's building power. He's rebuilding foundations again. I will rebuild you and you will be rebuilt. Don't be afraid of the fire. That's the divine exchange. Because he promises out of ashes comes beauty. And you know what? It's not your beauty, it's his beauty. It's that the beauty of Jesus may be seen in me. And that's why I said everything in you is, has to die. Has to die, has to die, has to die. There's nothing of me that's going to help you. There's nothing of me that's going to help any of you. There's nothing of me that's going to help anybody outside of this room. I need Jesus and I need his spirit to work through me. And when I'm in that place of death is where I start to believe in his power. Jesus didn't bring himself out of the tomb. He surrendered to death. So you don't just start getting worried about, well, how do I do this? How do I manufacture this? How do I get this power? Jesus surrendered to death. The power of God came and moved the stone out of the way. Whatever the stumbling block is in your life, whatever is sitting there. In, in Isaiah 62, it says, build the highway to heaven and remove the stumbling blocks. That's what we're here to do today. Remove the stumbling blocks. What is stopping you moving along on that highway to heaven with your focus on Jesus only? Jesus only. He is the way. Nothing more. I don't need anything less. I need to keep my eyes on him. I don't need anything more. I just need him. But there are stumbling blocks that stop us. And he says, I want those stones removed out of the way. Jesus
the stone and push his way out of the grave. We often say, and he, I love the song, he ran out of the grave. Actually, God came and moved the stone. And his power brought him out of the grave. Wherever you are, if you're in a grave, just surrender to the grave. God will raise you up. He raises us up. We're going to talk in the next session about he raises us up to sit in heavenly places. We're meant to be in heavenly places right now. Heavenly places. Psalm 126. Here's a promise for those who are in ashes. Psalm 126. love this psalm. The promise in verse 5 and 6. Those who sow in tears will reap what? Joy. Those who sow in tears will reap joy. Divine exchange. You've got tears in your life, sorrow in your life, sadness in your life, regrets in your life, abandonment in your life. All the things that cause our tears, that's what brings you joy. Because it brings you to Jesus. Tears bring us to Jesus. Have hope. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, will doubtless come against rejoicing. There's no rejoicing. There is no doubt. There's no doubt. He says, you, you're sowing in tears continuously. Some of us have been weeping for years. But you're going to have a harvest. God's going to use that for you to pour your tears out to others. I can't minister to the brokenhearted or those who are in slavery or those who are in prison or those who are bound or those who are mourning. I can't minister to them and bring Jesus to them unless I've been through the veil of tears myself. That's his training ground. Our noble good works and desires, our wonderful programs and tools, although they help, they're not the power that delivers people. There are means to an end. But if I don't go with the power of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, my tools are empty. I'm just going to burn out. There's nothing in them. I need the spirit and the truth. The two wings of the butterfly are to have spirit and truth. I can have the word of God, but if I don't have the Holy Spirit to bring the word of God alive, it's dead. It never gets from my head to my heart. That's why the brokenness is so important. It's in the brokenness that I learn that the Word of God is real and it's alive and I have nothing else to cling to except His Word. Jesus said to the woman at the well that His Father had sent Him to look for worshippers who will worship in spirit and in truth. You want to get off the ground and fly like a butterfly? Get both wings moving. And the cocoon is the place where you're going to find them. That's where God makes them. He makes them in the cocoon. I want to take a few minutes, I'm going to ask um, Nick to play a song for us called The Divine Exchange. And as we listen to this, I want you to reflect on your own life and what God's doing in your life that you need to exchange. Jesus, like Nancy Studio, said, I am holding something for Terry. Terry didn't know about it. She had to get to that gift through various people leading her there. And then she had to humble herself to accept it. 
And this morning, you may never have received the gift of salvation. And Jesus has come this morning to offer that to you. The divine exchange starts right there with him. If you've never, ever received his forgiveness, it's a beautiful thing to be forgiven. It takes a whole lot off your heart. We're going to talk more about that this afternoon, but I don't want to leave the room. If anyone's going to leave for lunch, don't leave if you haven't met Jesus yet and made the divine exchange. But maybe there's some things, and God's just going to begin this work. We're going to continue it after lunch. But I want you to start thinking about what are the things that you need to exchange? What's, what's Jesus standing in front of you saying, my spirit's here to lift that thing off you that you've been carrying, things from the past, things, fears of the future, hurts, wounds, unforgiveness, things that are not a part of the divine character, the part of my flesh, the old man. What do I need to exchange today?